Would you stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. Thanks, Pastor, so much for this invitation and your hospitality. Uh, I know that as we open our hearts to what God has for us today, that God's going to individually speak in our lives. And, and I don't know if anybody else faces this. Do you have a little bit of ADD when you're sitting in situations like this? Come on, I'll be the first to admit, you know, your mind jumps all over the things that's going on and what's going to happen this afternoon. Can we just say right now, God, allow me to focus in on what you want to do in my life today. Because that should be our desire that before we leave this room, that God does something unique and special in our lives. My heart is going to the church, the community of Santa Fe, Texas, as you saw on Friday, the horrible school shooting. I told the congregation last night that it's truly amazing what God sets up at times that you don't even know why, because I've never been to Santa Fe, Texas. I've never spoken in Santa Fe, Texas, but a few months ago, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Santa Fe contacted me and says, I want you to come and speak for us on June the 10th. So in just a few weeks, I'm going to be speaking in Santa Fe, Texas, at a church that one of the students that was shot and killed on Friday and her family attends their church. This morning, right now, that church, that community is hurting. And what that says to me is God has us specifically in places that he has designed for us to be that we may not have any idea why. That's why I know I'm in the plan of God today here in your community, in your church, sharing a message to you to give you hope and to prepare you for what is in front of you. So open your heart. I know that God wants to do something special in every one of our lives, and it doesn't matter how long you've been saved God has something fresh for you today. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. This is talking about Jesus. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us? Son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Bet you didn't see that text coming this morning on Pentecost Sunday, did you? I love doing stuff like that. I want to catch you off guard because God wants to speak something unique to us today. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor. And I, I pray right now that you would take control of every one of our lives. And Holy Spirit, we pray for the anointing. I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would saturate this place and cover us. I pray, God, for the next few moments that you would speak a truth and a challenge to the body of Christ 
that we need your Holy Spirit. We need the power of Pentecost in our lives. We need the gifts of the Spirit in our lives. We need the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And I pray that before this service is over, that someone will come to know Jesus because the Bible tells us that all men are called by the Holy Spirit to be saved. Lord, I pray that before this service is over, that we will experience divine healing in this room. We believe that there will be divine miracles. May you speak to us. May you challenge us. May you stretch us. May you move us through your word. That we may leave this service today knowing that we have met with you and met with your spirit. We lift up the community of Santa Fe, Texas today. We pray for Pastor Bradley Drake right now as he ministers to a brokenhearted family, community, students. I pray that you would send a special touch upon that community, the churches in that community, the families in that community as they are grieving this horrendous loss. God, I pray for the young man that is sitting in solitary confinement this morning So many would hate him and and, and desire to hurt him because of what he's done. But God, that is a child that you died for as well. And I pray for his salvation right now. I pray that somehow through this horrific tragedy that you will reach his heart as well as many other hearts. That what the enemy intended for bad, God, you intended for good. May we understand that compassion that you have when you look at every one of us because not one of us is without sin. God, we all need you and we need your power and we thank you for what you're going to do here today and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And, and praying and asking God what he wanted to do on this Pentecost Sunday and what a wonderful time that we had here last night. I was brought to this story that's pretty famous in the Bible for obvious reasons. It it has all of the good stuff in there. You know, it has demons. And, oh, man, we get a little shiver right now. And and we start talking about the demonic and those things. But also we have demons being sent into pigs and the pigs running and drowning themselves in the water. You know, let's be honest. They always say, uh, you know, pigs are really smart. I don't know. I mean, they wallow around in mud all day. They eat slop. Uh, they snort a lot. They're not clean. But, but when you look at this story, I would have to agree that sometimes the pigs are smarter than humans. Because when the demons came inside of them, they said, we'd rather not live at all. And when you look at a story like this, you see the ultimate compassion of God. And that is why he wants to make it real to you today, because when we talk about Pentecost and we talk about the Holy Spirit, sometimes I don't think we're open to the fullness of the Holy Spirit because we don't see how it applies to us personally. We think when we think about Pentecost is it's just something that we experience in a church setting. But the reality is the Holy Spirit is for us 24-7. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives daily, every day, because of the situations that we will face in our life. And this is a great illustration of what happens 
when people get full of the Spirit of God and those areas and situations that have always intimidated us and kept us from entering in them have been shown as an effective tool of the enemy. Because one of the most effective tools of the enemy in the body of Christ is intimidation. Don't go here. You can have all this other part given to God, but I'm going to hold on to one area of your life so that you will wake up every day and you will know you are one bad person. You are a horrible person or you worry a lot or you, you are addicted. You're really not a Christian. You, I'm going to make sure every area that I want to stick a hold on, I am going to make sure you don't go there. Because this is what that situation was about. Here are these two guys that were possibly possessed with 2,000 demons. And so it was just a house that you didn't go to. Did you ever have this as a kid? Because I did. This was not just something in a TV show. Did you ever have a house that when you were coming home from friends at night, you were walking home to your house, there was a house in your neighborhood that you did not walk by when it started getting dark? You ran by or you crossed over the street or you went around the block because of all the stories all of the kids have told you. This haunted house. I mean, people are tortured down in the basement. It was creepy, you know, stuff overgrown and stuff. Well, this was kind of like that house. I mean, the enemy had convinced everyone else, don't go here. But that's a tragedy. Because the enemy wants us to focus on, ooh, they're scary, 2,000 demons. But the way that Jesus approached it was, that's two guys that are mine. Those are two of my children. The tragedy is for the church to declare we are Pentecostal, but yet we allow the enemy to say, nope, can't go there. No, you cannot have revival in your school. No. No. You can't pray. You can't have that experience. No, no, no. In your family, generations have told you they're going to be alcoholics, drug addicts, abusers, whatever. There's an area in our lives that the enemy wants to convince you. I mean, these two guys where they lived, Domino's would not deliver, FedEx wouldn't deliver, The mail would not come. I mean, this was just an area that you didn't go to. And yet, Jesus finds out about these two guys, and he just starts walking right up the street, right up to them. He's like, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to be afraid. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and God has given me power in heaven and earth, and there is nothing that can stand up against me because I got the power of God's Spirit inside of my life. And the reality is, church, there are so many people and places in our lives, in our family and friends and neighborhoods and communities that we love and care about, but yet the enemy says, "Uh uh-uh, you can't go there. You cannot come in. Uh Uh-uh. You go ahead and do your little church thing, but you, I'm going to still hang on to your dad. I'm going to hang on to your mom. I'm going to hang on to this area of town. I'm going to hang on by the drugs, the alcohol, the, the bondage, the addiction, the pornography, the, the immorality, the, the affairs. No, this is one area. You cannot ever get victory. You know, one of the greatest struggles of my life right now, every day I wake up, I am reminded that pain 
is very powerful. Pain can change you. It can restrict you. I have horrific back injuries and pain. I have because of cancer treatment that I went through and the travel. I had my two bottom disc completely gone where they had to come in and do a double disc fusion, fusing the bottom three disc of my spine with two titanium rods, six titanium screws, and then with a separate incident, five months after that surgery that I shared last night with a grand mal seizure while I was in Istanbul, Turkey, my spine was broken in four other places, and so they had to go in and inject the cement in a kyphoplasty. And so my spine is about as messed up as a place that it could be. And yet, because you don't see it, you may assume everything's okay, but it's not okay. My doctors don't want me to travel. I mean, when I tell them such things as what happened in January of this year, I was flying from Chicago to Dallas to speak for the weekend, and in the middle of the flight, one of the flight attendants walks up to me and says, Mr. Rhodes, um, me and the other two flight attendants, we're, we're sitting in the back right now, and we're talking about you. And I'm like, I don't even know who these people are. And I'm like, well, why are you talking about me? She said, well, we wanted to give you something. And then we had a question for you. And I, it was a card, and it was like in an envelope, and Mr. Rhodes was written on the outside. I'm like, I have no clue who these people are, and what is this about? So I opened the card, and it says, uh, Mr. Rhodes, thank you so much. Uh, we honor you and recognize that on this flight, you are hitting your two millionth mile that you have flown with United Airlines. Thanks for flying, but please keep on flying. <laughs> they like the money. But they said the question we have for you is we're st- standing there in the back and all three of us flight attendants looking at your your information your profile says you've flown two million miles just with our airline and you're so young i was like well that's a matter of perspective because i'm not as young as you think i am they said what do you do why have you already flown two million miles with just one airline And I just want to grin because what they have just done, they have just invited me to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I'm not just going to tell them one little thing. Uh, I'm going to tell them what I do. And what I do is I share my testimony around the world. And it was just, it was a proud moment. (laughs) Not the fact that, yeah, what does that get you? You know, not much. Oh, I've flown two million miles. That's just too much flying. But in, in those moments... We get to declare what we do because someone has just asked us to tell them the doctors do not want me to travel. They don't want me to be on a different bed and on a plane and lifting luggage and all the things. Two of the titanium screws in my spine are broken in half. So I have a failed back surgery syndrome. They're telling me more and more surgery is to come And if I was to allow the enemy to dictate to me like he wants to do in so many of our lives, like he did with these two guys, if I was to allow pain to become that area that says the enemy is going to just 
grab a hold of that and stake its claim, then it would destroy me. Because it is too much. There are days that I don't want to get up and speak and travel. Yesterday morning, getting up at 3 a.m. your time, have three flights to get here so I could speak last night and today, my body says no. Go back to bed. Get on the heating pad. No, this is not a good idea. But you and I have to understand what God has given us in the Holy Spirit says that we have power to overcome the pain. The pain of the past. The pain of what we may think will happen, but in reality it is just a strategy of the enemy to intimidate us. Here's Jesus. He's just walking down the road right toward these two men. And these two men were not used to getting visitors. And isn't it funny that Jesus hasn't said a thing. And yet the demons now start freaking out. And they go, wait a minute. Did you catch that? He has not said a thing. He doesn't have a Christian bumper sticker on the back of his car. He is not wearing a Christian t-shirt. He is not carrying a Keaton James version Bible that is 50 pounds. No, he has none of that. He is just a man walking down the aisle toward this house where nobody has ever gone and the demons start freaking out. Because when you walk in the authority of the Spirit of God, then that power goes in front of you and the enemy starts to worry. And let me tell you and encourage you, if you will wake up every day and say, Holy Spirit, may I walk with your power and your presence and your anointing today because my family needs me to, my friends need me to, and God needs me to because the enemy is going to try to come and to still kill and destroy, but you've given me power to overcome all the power of darkness and the enemy. All the power of disease. What do you want with the Son of God? Then they start whining. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Isn't it funny that the enemy now wants to play according to the rules, but has never played according to the rules? God wants you to understand through the power of the Holy Spirit, you become the biggest, baddest person that you could ever be because it's not your power, it's his power. i reminded of when I was at the end of my third grade year. Remember, that was a good year for you, wasn't it, third grade? My parents come and tell us, um, Dad is getting transferred. He was a propane truck driver, and he was getting transferred from our home in western Oklahoma to Fort Morgan, Colorado. And it was a glorious day when we moved to this town in Colorado, and my parents showed us the house that we were going to live in. It was a really cool, exciting moment for this third grader because right across the street from the house that we were going to live in was the big elementary school that we would attend. And that's not the exciting part, but what they had was they had the biggest, incredible, funnest playground 
that I was going to have access to because I'm going to live right across the street from it. And the great thing about that playground, it wasn't fenced in. So on the weekends, after school, during the summer, I had full access to this incredible playground. So we went there quite often. But there were days that I didn't go to the playground, even though I could have. And you ask, why didn't you go to the playground on days that you could have? Call me crazy, but we had a neighborhood bully. I was a scrawny little kid, and if I saw that the bully was at the playground before I got there, call me crazy, but I didn't go. (laughs) I don't like pain. I like my face just the way it was. He loved to just beat me up. How many knows when you have a bully problem that it's good to have an older brother? You have an older brother? Do you have an older brother? Come on, don't be ashamed. It's okay. Raise your hand. Yeah, I, I had an older brother. <laughs> yeah. This was supposed to help me in these areas. I just had one problem. My older brother wasn't a bigger brother. The bully could beat him up too. I'm like, Mom, what is he even around here for? I mean, sending back. Do something. I mean, this is not a good situation. So I found out very quickly I couldn't count on my older brother. But I had a mom. Any moms here this morning? Any mama bears? Anybody mess with your child and something comes out that you didn't even know was in there? You're like, well, man, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm seeing something. Now, before you think I let my mom fight my battles, even though I was in the third grade, no, that was not going to happen. But my mom, I was her baby, baby boy. And when she found out how scared I was of this bully, she went to work the next day. She worked at a dry cleaners. And let me tell you something. You do not mess with people that work at dry cleaners. They can do things with hangers that will mess you up. My mom worked with another mom. They were friends. And my mom was telling her friend one day about how scared I was and afraid to go out. And this bully was just really causing all this strife in my life. And and so she was telling her friend this. And it was a glorious day. It was a life changing day when I found out my mom had a friend that was also a mother and she had a son and this son was a senior in high school. Wow. I mean, third grade senior. She went home and his name was Greg. She went home and says, Greg, Ron is having a hard time with the bully in his neighborhood. And Greg, I just think you need to go to his neighborhood And I think you need to find this bully. And I think you need to have a little talk. Mm -hmm. So Greg came to my neighborhood. He found the bully. He got in the bully's face. And he says, I want to communicate something with you. If you ever touch Ron again, I'm going to touch you. He says... You will never mess with him ever again. You will never bother him ever again. This is a new day in your world. Can I tell you, it was a new day in the neighborhood. I became the cockiest little kid, man, walking all around wherever. I'd walk up to the bully and go, come on, brother, come on. 
Because all of a sudden, I wasn't walking in my authority. I had someone much bigger than the bully that was standing right behind me, right beside me. And so it was a new day in the neighborhood. I could go anywhere I wanted. Come on, how many going to get excited about a Greg coming in that was bigger than the bully? Well, let me tell you, we have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, and he is far bigger than the bully will ever be. The bully has nothing over us. Come on, church, you've got to understand what you have in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's time we start taking our families back, take our marriages back, take our children back, take our country back. Come on, church. America needs a church that will be full of the Holy Spirit because we have been intimidated long enough. The enemy has intimidated us long enough. He has put us down. Let me tell you, we have the ability and the power to stand above every intimidation. Every it's time that generations in our, in our families are changed. You no longer have to be the next generation that goes through another divorce, another one that goes to prison, another one that goes to rehab, another one that ends up in tragedy and death and destruction. Come on, church. What we have in the power of the Holy Spirit is so real. <laughs> so this is the moment. The exorcism. Oh, Jesus is going to get rid of 2,000 demons. Can we just be honest? We allow ourselves to get freaked out about the enemy. We start thinking about these things. I, uh, I heard about a Bible school student in America. Asking a Bible school professor one day in class, do you believe that people can be possessed by demons? And the Bible school professor here in America at a Bible school said, I think that kind of thing happens overseas, but not in America. Yeah, come on, that's laughable, right? But let's understand why he said that. Because he was intimidated about the subject. And let me tell you, if you're going to face the world that we live in, and you're going to face a world that the enemy wants to still kill and destroy your life, your family, your children, your grandchildren, your destiny, your purpose, then you have to understand that he's not going to play according to the rules, and he's going to do everything he can to try to take you down and discourage you and dis- destroy you. And yet, we have to understand what we have in the name of Jesus. The power that we have. I'll never forget the day when you, when you choose to be on the front lines of living your life for God. One day when I was a youth pastor, before I became an evangelist, we had an encounter with a 16-year-old young lady in Dallas, Texas, that was so possessed by the power of the enemy that right in front of us, she took an aluminum Coke can, ripped it in half like two pieces of paper, and then proceeded to slice her wrist, and the blood began to flow down. And let me tell you, at those moments in your life, you've got to understand and recognize that it's not just about you being full of the Holy Spirit for you, but there are people in your lives that are going to need you to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit, because that young lady's life was literally put in the balance, and the enemy says, go ahead. You want to cross this line? You want 
want to get serious, you want to think that you're big bad youth pastor and you say you're full of the spirit, then let me see right now what you truly believe and what you truly have in you. I will destroy this person right in front of you in the church sanctuary and allow the blood to stain that carpet. Let me tell you, that's not second hand. That's first hand. That's what I saw. That's what I dealt with. And the reality is there ain't one person in this room that has an option either. Because there will be times in your life, maybe it's your wife that's dying right in front of you from a stroke. Maybe it's your husband dying of a heart attack. Maybe you're picking up your child at the local jail as you bail them out. Maybe you're picking your daughter up from an abortion clinic. Maybe the reality is that you get a phone call. Mom, there's a school shooting right now. We're hunkered down. We don't know what's going to happen. At those moments, we have got to become a church that says, I will be full of the Holy Spirit, not just for myself, but for all those around me because there will be times in our life that the enemy says I'm taking you out I'm destroying you and yet we get to stand up and say in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit you will not destroy you will not destroy you will not destroy my life or my family we must possess that the staff that I was on at the church before I became an evangelist been an evangelist for 22 years the year before I became an evangelist. It was a Tuesday morning. I was standing in the hallway of our church next to the associate pastor that was one of my best friends. And in walks a man from our church in his 70s. And everybody had such an incredible respect for him. He was just up here. Powerful prayer part. He walked in on a Tuesday morning to the church, walked right up to us two ministers. And with frustration and tiredness in his voice, he says, can you please, can you please come to my house? Because for weeks, I've been battling a tormenting spirit in my apartment. And I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I am wore out. I'm stressed out. I'm overwhelmed. Can you please come and pray over my apartment today? We're like, oh, yeah. Ghostbusters, here we come. So this is why we went to Bible college. Yeah. The showdown. So we get in the car. The associate pastors, we're going to follow the man in his car. We're going to go. On the outside, we're not joking. We're not laughing. This is not a lighthearted situation. But we were calm, cool, and collected in front of the other minister. We're like, yeah, where do you want to go eat lunch after we do this, you know? Yeah, we do this all the time. No big deal. No problem. On the outside, we're acting like this. But later we talk, so that's how I know why. You know what's going on on the inside? Oh, Jesus! Oh! Tormenting spirit, and this is a man of God, a powerful prayer man. Oh my goodness, man. So I don't want to get beat up today by this tormenting spirit. I mean, oh Jesus, you said in your word, some only come out by prayer and fasting, and God, it's been a while since I fasted. Oh Jesus, I'm praying in the spirit at that moment. Oh, you want to go to Chili's? Oh Jesus, in the name of Jesus, please protect me. I've got to go before us. We get to the house. We walk right up to the apartment. He said, it's really bad. It chirps at me. It follows me around. I can't do this. I'm losing sleep. He 
we walk into the apartment and uh, he said, there it was. Did you hear it? And I said, I heard it. And then we come over here and he says, it's really bad over here. And, and, and it was that moment of discerning of the spirit. You know, that's one of the gifts of the spirit. A discerning spirit hit me. And I realized that this poor man that is a mighty prayer warrior in our church had been tormented for weeks and weeks by the tormenting spirit of a smoke detector with a low battery. And let's be honest, they are demon possessed. They only have a low battery in the middle of the night. And even though you've removed all 500 you can find in your house, it is still not the right one. You take a hammer to it and it's still from its dead, smattered self chirps at you. So we're standing there. (laughs) And I thought, oh, If only I had a 9-volt battery in my pocket. We could bow in prayer. And we could cast this tormenting spirit out of there. I could put the battery in. And we'd been mighty men of God. Yes. As funny as that is, we now have to tell the guy that his tormenting spirit is a smoke detector with a low battery. The reason I share that is There are times in our lives that we allow the enemy to intimidate us and to overwhelm us. But God said, what you have, what I want to give you, what I want to do in your life is so incredible. You see, at the same time that I was living in Fort Morgan, Colorado, that I was dealing with that bully, I would have to deal with a whole other level of evil because the next year, Unbeknownst to my mom and my dad, there would be a child pedophile from our church that everybody trusted that would take me to to his house and as a 10-year-old sexually molested me. At 10 years old, I became a candidate for someone that desperately needed the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Because the enemy doesn't care if you're a two-year-old or you're a five-year-old or you're a 60-year-old or you're 35 years old. He wants to take you out. The enemy wanted to take me out before I even got started. So he was going to introduce me to evil that no one should ever have to go through. And the reality is, We stand here today in a world that God says you have to understand what you have. God is coming into this house with these two guys that were possessed with two demons. And he is going to have to pray a prayer to get rid of these. I mean, that's going to be some kind of prayer, right? I mean, Jesus is going to have to pray some kind of prayer to get rid of 2,000 demons and grab these guys and bring them back into the fold. Do you know what the best prayer that Jesus came up with? Go. (laughs) Go? Oh, but surely, Brother Ron, he went, go! I say go, 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 go! 2,000 times. No. 
He simply said go. Because when you say go in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, let me tell you what has to happen. The enemy has to leave. All of hell has to move out. All the power of darkness and demonic and bondage and addiction and sin and sickness has to go and get out. May you understand that you have been endued with power from upon high through the power of the Holy Spirit to literally look the enemy in the face, to look Satan in the face, to look at your bondage, your sin, your dark areas, the areas that nobody else knows, and to say in the name of Jesus, today is a new day in the neighborhood. I am no longer going to be bullied. I will not be the another generation. I will not be the seventh generation to go through that again. I will not go down the same path. I will walk in freedom. Come on, church what we have in the power of Pentecost. And I'll never forget this moment. I was speaking a crusade in Tilbury, Niger. This city is in the western part of Niger, not Nigeria. Niger is above Nigeria. And this community that we were in, we were holding a crusade in. They told us you cannot go past the point. There is a police checkpoint on the outside of town, and past that point, you cannot go because it's an area that's controlled by rebels. And the reason it's so dangerous is because of the witchcraft that if witch doctors would prescribe to overcome certain ailments with human body parts. So there was a black market for human body parts. This missionary that I was with grew up in Africa. His parents were missionaries. He's not easily intimidated. He was the one that shot through the door of his vehicle. It was the middle of the day. And I was like, come on, man. Let's go past the point. Literally past this town, there was no electricity. Those villages had no outside connection. In the recent history over the last 80, 90 years, no missionary group had been authorized to go past the point because it was too dangerous. <laughs> but I challenged the missionary. I said, Brent, come on, man. Let's go past the point. Come on, it's the middle of the day. We won't go very far. What's the worst going to happen? <laughs> What's the worst? So I convinced him. We pull up to the police checkpoint. And we say, hey, we're just going to go out for a little bit. And We'll be back. And they're like, you're crazy. Nobody goes out there without a UN security force protection, especially not two guys from America. But we took off. Just sub-Saharan desert region. We go as far as we're going to go. We turn around the, the road, and we're going to head back to town. And from the closest village, you could see off a little ways, two little boys saw us. And because they never saw this, they were thinking we were some relief organization probably to bring something out there. They come running over to the vehicle that we're in. And I roll on my window, and these two little boys, and the Wagadougou, uh, their, their dialect, they began to say to me, Kadu. 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 I looked to the missionaries. What does that mean? He said, they're saying gift. 
Why else would you come out here? Gift. We weren't prepared to see anybody. We didn't even know if we wanted to see anybody. So I start rummaging in through the cab of that SUV. I'm looking in the glove box. I'm looking everywhere. Only, literally, only thing that I could find at the very bottom of a stack of papers in the glove box was two gospel tracts written in their language. And I handed each one of those boys a gospel tract, and they ran off back to their village as fast as they could, like they had just been given a banana split. And we began to drive back to town. This was an area of intimidation. This was an area that had, the enemy had intimidated and kept people from. This was an area that nobody went in recent history to share the gospel. And yet we just handed two of these kids a gospel tract about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we started driving back to town. And I looked at Brent. And I said, Brent, I said, I'm believing today that because we went to an area that was off limits, that I can just see them getting around the fire that night. And the leaders of that village began to share the most wonderful, amazing story about a Savior, Jesus Christ. And I said, Brent, one day I'm believing when you're allowed to come out here and minister to these groups, you're going to find that there's already a church of Jesus Christ because two young men were willing to go to an area off limits. Can we just say right now on this Pentecost Sunday, Satan, demonic addictions, bondage, you're in your last days. Last days. Because I'm getting my family back in 2018. I'm taking my family back. I'm taking my life with God back in the name of Jesus. God will overcome. Come on, everybody stand with me if you would, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, I praise you and I worship you and I give you glory and honor. God, the only hope we have, the only hope we have, is in you. God, I I pray for those that the enemy is trying so, so hard to stop. Today, Lord, the line has been crossed in the sand. Today is the day that we take back our lives for the kingdom of God. We take our families' lives. I rebuke the stronghold of the enemy. I pray, Lord, areas that have been taken over by the enemy. I pray for areas of intimidation, areas that the enemy has established a stronghold that today would be the day that there is victory. The moment that you said go, 
2,000 demons couldn't get out of those two men fast enough. And God, what you are trying to illustrate and show us what we have in the power of the Holy Spirit is the power to walk into areas that have been always off limits. Areas that we are so sick and tired of dealing with, struggling with, being addicted to, being in bondage to, being intimidated and overwhelmed, constantly being sold a lie from the enemy that I will never, I will never be free of pain, that I will never be healed, that I will never be delivered, that I will never walk in that freedom, I will never have happiness, I will never have joy. Suicide thoughts will be a daily part of my life for the rest of my life. Pain and sickness will always be who I am. But in the name of Jesus, we declare that those are lies. There is a deception by the enemy. And we recognize what we have been given in the mighty name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit to walk into those areas and declare today, today is the day that I'm healed. Today is the day that the pain goes, the cancer goes, the diabetes goes, the allergies, the asthma goes, the glaucoma goes, the back pain goes, the neck pain goes, Lord, the addiction to bondage through pornography and, and drugs and alcohol and immorality is gone in the name of Jesus. It's not something that I can do, but it is what Christ through his spirit does through me. I am not defeated. I am not destroyed. What Lord, the enemy thinks is always going to work, will no longer work. We declare that in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against us shall prosper in the name of Jesus. And we declare the gifts of the Holy Spirit of tongues and interpretation and prophecy and wisdom and knowledge and discernment and healings and miracles and faith. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would declare who you are through the power of your spirit. With your heads bowed right now, I just want to quickly ask Are you standing here today and this message was for you? There is an area that the enemy is using to intimidate you, to try to constantly destroy you, tear you down, discourage you. There is an area that the enemy has said you will never have victory over, whether it's a physical thing, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual, no matter what it is, today is a new day through the power of the Holy Spirit. You will overcome. This message was for you. It's as clear as that. There is an area that the enemy has used of intimidation that I need victory over right now in my life. My family needs it. My wife needs it. My husband husband needs it. My children need it. My grandchildren need it. My, my workers need it. Everything in my life, I need that. This was for me. I need that victory over an area that the enemy has constantly held me down and beat me down and discouraged me in, but I want victory in that area today for my generation and generations to come. I want to declare that this was for me. Pray for me, Ron. Raise your hand if that's you. Raise it. This, you're going to declare it right now. You're going to declare it right now. Come on. Area of intimidation that the enemy has used against you. This is the moment you declare it right now. If you got your hand raised, I want you to quickly come stand with me right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. We're walking down the street. Come on. Hurry. Hurry. All of you. There's a ton of hands that just went up. Come on. We will not be defeated. We will not be discouraged. We will not walk out of here the same. We will not walk out addicted. We will not walk out diseased. We will not walk out discouraged. We will not walk out in dealing with that in our 
lives ever again. Come on. If you're not down here yet, you know it's for you. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. If you can't stand up against it in the house of God on Pentecost Sunday, you will never be able to stand up against the enemy. Come on. This is the chance for us to walk down the aisle and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm walking into an area that has been possessed and held back by the enemy.